Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, just look for Real Estate in the 608. I'm Ben Anton. And I'm Adam Elliott. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'd be Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison Musicians' Seesaw. Again, welcome to Real Estate in 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Hey, Ben, did you know you can find us on Apple Podcasts? Just ask Siri or Alexa, play Real Estate in the 608. You can also find us on iTunes. Look for Real Estate in the 608, if we haven't said that enough. Or on Facebook. <laughs> or on Facebook. <laughs> Where it's just in the 608. Or you could go online at this point. We're trying to be everywhere. I know. In the 608. It's hard to capture all the different paths that people would come in, but damn it, I think we're doing a good job with it. Do it a fine way. <laughs> As we share uh, our monthly excursions into a podcast for homeowners, landlords, people who think who are thinking about investment properties and just normal folks. This is not a podcast for people who appreciate superfluous acronyms. <laughs> yes, good. In this podcast, we, uh, of course, recap monthly features such as the top of the hour tip, the market update, and Phil's phone-in. Phil's phone-in. Uh, Phil, one of the one of the smarter people that we surround ourselves with. We talked mm-hmm. about the podcast being an opportunity to surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil works for Dairy.com, keeps an eye on milk and cheese markets like you would not believe, mm-hmm. uh, and keeps an eye on other things for, like this for fun. I always yeah. want to ask him about the pork bellies because I feel like that's like a phrase that people used to say, <laughs> oh, them pork bellies. <laughs> but he's in, he's in the dairy side. I things. tried to be smart with him once and said, yeah. And how's that going to affect the price of milk in China? <laughs> and then he told me. <laughs> and he has an answer for it. He does. He's that type of guy. We have uh, made it to episode six. Uh, that's a half dozen. Uh, we're more than five. So Six of one, half dozen of another. I suppose we're, uh, we're moving through here. Today, we, we're going to speak with... Uh, with an accountant, a tax preparer, someone who is a uh, investment property owner. Why would you talk about taxes when you're talking about homeowners and real estate? I mean, the two just do not go together at all, right? Oh, we don't like. I was just, I was just going <laughs> to suggest, like, well, we've talked to a plumber, we've had, mm-hmm. we've had landlords, we've had focus on energy representatives, and well, now mm-hmm. we're getting over to the numbers side. That's right, the numbers side. I seriously want to ask her because we have had changes in the tax law in the last year or so. Is it still worth it? Is the, How is, do, is the home still worth it? How do they affect Adam? How do they affect me in particular? As the homeowner. That's right. Former news reporter and radio personality. Yeah, and that's who I am. Uh, yes, uh, also a Madison College instructor, uh, not necessarily on real estate, but certainly in the realm of media. And yourself, Ben. Landlord, broker, associate, taxpayer. Well, at, well at that sounds like I'm not a taxpayer. <laughs> of course, I'm a taxpayer. And too. and one of one of <laughs> one of at, an Atwood tax customer. That means Brian Raymer, who we're speaking to today, is one of your. You're not. You were the client essentially. We, we are each other's. You are each customers other's clients. and clients. Oh, isn't that a symbiotic relationship you've got going on there? It's it's not like the not like the little fish that mounts to your underbelly. That's parasitic. <laughs> That's parasitic. No, it's not a, it's the a... way that we want to go here. Although maybe, I don't know, I may have been described as that myself in the past, some type of parasitic person, but symbiotic relationship. Symbiotic. We go well together. It's two great tastes that taste great together. What uh, you been up to, Adam? Yeah, it's been a lot of outdoor work thus far this summer. Um, I mentioned last time that deck work is on the way. 
And then, you know, summertime comes around, you start getting that honeydew list of things that need to be done around the house, and they get long. So I can imagine, little... especially a list written by a honey, do this while I am governing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, Lindsay doesn't play that way. Lindsay uh, <laughs> Lemmer, who's a, my partner, who's also a District 3 alder in Madison, she is just very busy with... with uh, City counseling, is that a verb that we could say? And uh, I take care of the home front and make sure she has a a warm meal when she gets home from her late night meetings. I was going to talk about some of my yard projects. Do tell, please. Um, But I changed my mind. All right, don't tell. I'm going to highlight two things that happened just today. Just today, okay. See, Madison Musician Seesaw. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think think there's a lead singer. There's probably two. There's two, yeah. They share vocals a lot of times. The one on the left. (laughs) Yeah. I can picture my right te- now. my tenant uh-huh. fixed her own kitchen drain. Oh, that's amazing! I think it might have been her boyfriend Caleb or her betrothed Caleb uh-huh. that helped. But you know, I was really happy for that. I was I felt like I I joked. I said, "Well, a I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm empowering you." Uh huh. Okay. I empowered her with my snake. So you welcome. <laughs> careful what you're saying there. You welcome <laughs> your tenants to do their own fixes sometimes. Right? I would love for a tenant yes. to be able to and here talk about your own fixes. The other story today, Jake, God bless him, sends me a text message about 10 a.m. says, Ben, I'm having a little trouble with my lock. Uh-huh. But I'm working out of the house today, so it's not a big deal. Could you come on by and have a look at it? Jake is another tenant of yours. Jake is a tenant on Atwood. Okay. Lovely fella. Uh-huh. And I arrived to find out. He couldn't have gotten out if he wanted to. He couldn't get out of his house? Didn't put that in the text message. (laughs) I am locked in my house. Jeez. Oh, my god. So instead, instead he was totally chill, and he's just like, hey, I'm working from home. The lock is broken. Can you come have a look? When I arrived, I had to throw my tools up to him on the balcony. Oh, my gosh. So that he could dismantle it from the... I said, can you send me a picture of the lock and I'll show you what to take (laughs) apart? I throw my tools up to the second floor balcony. He runs them to the door, dismantles it from the inside, and we got under away. This takes a certain constitution of a person not to just dial 911 well, first, I, but to call Ben Anton. That's who he thought well, of but first. But he, he sent me a text message, but it, <laughs> there was like, there was no, I'm stuck in my apartment emoji. I didn't know. I just thought like, oh, it's it, I, I can't lock it quite right, or it's fidgety. Uh-huh. No, I'm locked in. Oh. Uh, we'll have to get the internet working on that locked in my house <laughs> emoji. <laughs> see, yeah. see if we can get something. Well, that is what's been happening since last time. Let's talk about uh, what's going on from the headlines. In the headlines, you know, I saw we talked about the Essen House development. It might have yeah. been two episodes ago. Right. It's uh, it's it's come back to the table. The the, mm-hmm. the neighborhood sees it. They push it back, and then the developer returns. Mm-hmm. I almost it made me feel as if it's a dance, a dance that that a very predictable dance. Mm-hmm. We come, we ask for five stories, they pass, we come and we get four. Yep. Uh, we, or we just step back on the fourth, or three stories with a mm-hmm. step back fourth. It's, it's, so that dance continues. One of the things that I was surprised to find out is that it does not include the former OK's parcel. Oh, the the am- comic strip OK's Corner is not part of the project. Hmm, interesting. So that which is just like grass now. It's, it's grassy. Not, it's yeah. nothing. <laughs> the grassy knoll. But you would think that they want would want that whole little section. If you're going to build something, why not use 
as much space there as I mean, I, I'm certain someone probably called them up <laughs> and asked. But at the same time, they must be holding out. It's, mm. I was just kind of an interesting chess play there. It's not a very big parcel, those two lots that held the bars. Right. Um, it's not that big. Can't get a whole lot there. But they must have decided that it's worth sitting on and not not selling off to the to the now much larger development happening almost in that entire block. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. interesting to see that. Uh, good news for the for the uh, those fearing a food desert on South Park Street. That's right. St. Mary's adjusted their plans and timelines so mm-hmm. that the uh, grocery store could stay and and not and not create that area. Interestingly enough, for those on the east side, so the money that was going to go towards that, there was some state funding. I only know this because I have to know a council person uh that money got redirected to a project that may go to rebuild what was once the century on cottage grove road okay Um, so plans for that that project got put on hold and it was like now um potentially going to happen because they got some more state and federal dollars which shifted from park street and now it looks like it's going to the cottage grove road development and that old century that's been at acewood and cottage grove road has just been an empty kind of blight building that's been sitting for a while. That's great news for an already uh, very vibrant and re- in the process of being revitalized Cottage Grove, Cottage Grove Road corridor mm-hmm. with the new library and new the Penny development Brancher. at the yeah. former uh, fertilizer plant there. Yep, Royster Clark, yeah. And uh, some very exciting things as well as increasing property values in that, in that Lake Edge neighborhood. Okay. All right, what else do we got going on? One other thought. Mm-hmm. Judge Doyle project goes to Stonehouse Development. Um, What does that mean? What does that mean? I I noticed that the article led with that 24 affordable units. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was more important for us to just stop and say, what does that mean? What does that mean? Or is it just fodder? Um, So the the 60, so the Dane County median income, smart, educated people live in the Dane County, mm-hmm. $64,000, the median, mm-hmm. half above, half below. Yep. 60% of that number, 38400 Okay. I'm looking at standard rental rules of about rent being one-third of your grossly monthly gross monthly income. It is gross sometimes. It is gross. That's about $1,000. Mm-hmm. So that does not feel affordable to me, a $1,000 one bedroom. That still seems on the high end. Uh, Maybe I'm shacking up. It seems a little bit more affordable then, yeah. But I, but I rent several one-bedroom apartments below a thousand dollars. I don't feel. I mean, evidently, I am filling a void, right? Um, and doing a better job of it than a brand new project on the square. I guess which that shouldn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. So we know like the median uh, income and such. Is there a median apartment uh, rate as well? Then Madison, because like if you have some properties, I think you probably, you know, you have your own function as to how you're going to charge what you're going to pay monthly at those things. Like, do we know what the the middle point is there? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I look at every every property as, you know, individually and I compare it. I'm on just like we talked with uh, uh, Nina Liebwall from Mm -hmm. uh, Foundry Apartments. Mm -hmm. And uh, she does some research, comparative listings, looks on Craigslist, sees what things are going for. Um, I learned in my most recent rental that that 800 bucks is about the top on Livingston, Mm -hmm. but I probably should have pushed a little bit higher on East Main where Mm -hmm. I got five applications versus the one. Uh, at our property on Livingston that has far far fewer features and less amenities, but a much better location. I'm curious in this process as to how that how those numbers get set sometime. Maybe that's another topic we could talk about someday. For me, I think about should they go up 
And then mm-hmm. I then I I look to see what things are going for, and I decide. And I think I probably based on my number of applications um, after one afternoon of showings. I think they could have been higher on Main Street. I mean, affordable housing could be a topic unto itself. I feel like it could be. It's defined differently by lots of different people and what it actually means and what it does. One might think that the least expensive house to sell in Dane County would be affordable. Mm, Tell me, is it this month? Cheapest house to sell in Dane County in the last month or so. Mm -hmm. Again in Edgerton. Weren't okay. we on Lake Koshkanong Lake, before? The, be- the beautiful Lake Koshkanong. The beautiful Lake Koshkanong. This home also, a modest or small home, but has some kind of lake rights. Okay, yeah. So right. here we're buying. We're buying near the water. Cheapest house, 68.5. This was kind of an odd house, though. Beautiful from the outside. Yeah. New roof, siding. Look just, is all buttoned up. Mm-hmm. You could, it didn't, but it didn't have a porch or a deck. You could see the ledger, and the, every, most uh-huh. everyone has seen this on a house that's in process. You see the siding, and then you see a ledger. Right. Like, that's where they're going to attach the deck. Never was attached. Never was attached. So you flip into the interior pictures, nothing. Yeah, for, for 68.5, I'm like, is it a fire inside there? What, no, what was the deal? It did not look as if it had been on fire, but it was empty. The, there was no interior walls, no insulation. Oh. Okay. It looked like it maybe had been wired and plumbed. There was a tub and a toilet sitting in the space. No telling if they had been connected. But someone's project went awry. Oh, okay. So they tried to build their own. It wasn't like it was built and then they tore these things out. No, this was an old home in a remodel. It, it was, was. It was okay. a remodel. So they had torn everything out. from okay. The interior had been gutted. And uh, and then someone stopped <laughs> at, a, at an inconvenient time, uh, listed at 90K, and in 17 days got an offer for 68.5. Now, that was a cash offer. So uh-huh. to answer the question... Is that home available to someone with a modest or low income? I would say no. No, because it's because not it's going to sell to a cash buyer. Right. It was not in a condition that could have been financed. Mm-hmm. Could you list that as a slight fixer upper? The uh, <laughs> is that much work? <laughs> contractor special was contractor the language special. was the language they chose, which which is even even a little bit harder probably than the fixer. <laughs> yeah. But then we get so m- the most expensive sale. Right. Uh, we're back in Maple Bluff. We're right. at $1.56 million. Eesh. You just said that with your pinky at your mouth. That's going to be a five-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, 3,400 square feet, built in 1928 with three fireplaces and a two-car garage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds roomy, I suppose. Yeah. And again, at the other end of the spectrum, at another cash sale. It's... So That's people, all that has, seems to happen. I would get the impression listening to this podcast that only people show up with cash. To well, the most anymore. expensive houses yeah. and and the cheapest. Yeah, because the cheapest we're talking about the condition potentially mm-hmm. unable to be financed, cash only. So the people with the people with the money are making the money. Again, so when we're buying those fixers. <laughs> and then at the high end, the only people with $1.56 million to buy a house, well, they're going to just put that, put that down. They're just going to drop. Okay. The one percenters get us again. I guess everyone else in the middle are the ones who are fine. So Edgerton uh-huh. showing is one of our more affordable, at least where a few of the least expensive homes have, have, have sold. Mm-hmm. And then back on Farwell Drive, Maple Bluff, which has been the lion's share 
of our of our most expensive home sales here in 2019. Those are your headlines, Ben. Let's talk about who's in the studio with us. Our in-studio guest today is Brianne Raymer, CPA and owner of Antwood Tax. She is a client, a two-time homeowner, Eastmoreland property mogul, foreclosure buyer, a mother, a remodeler, a landlord, and not your mother's CPA. Mm-hmm. On the Eastmoreland side, it only takes two properties to be a mogul there. Huh? I've decided. I've only got one out in that neighborhood, and she's got two, so I'm gonna, she's mogul territory. I'm going to work on that then. I've got one. I'm just up the road a little bit, but <laughs> I need mogul status now that we've mentioned it, I think. Uh, in any case, Brand, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's very nice to meet you. We're going to take a quick break for the top of the hour tip. It's time for the top of the hour tip. Top of the hour tip brought to us by Lauer Realty Group at 2229 Atwood Avenue and online at LauerRealtyGroup.com. In today with the top of the hour tip is Rachel Whaley. Rachel, I heard you're considering an indoor pool. (laughs) Not necessarily, but I might have had one the other day. It was just a little kiddie pool, a couple, you know, maybe an inch in one corner of my basement. We're going to hear to talk about water um, and grading and, and keeping your basements dry. For example, not too long ago, I took a hosta plant out of the side of my yard along my foundation, and it was about a foot in diameter. And I took it out, dug it out, moved it, put it somewhere else, and forgot to fill the hole. Well, then it rained, not that much even. And right where that hole was, I had a pretty hefty trickle of water that made its way through my basement across the rug I just put down into my drain, which it flowed the right way. And that's what basements, you know, they have the slope for that very reason. But we're here to talk about how important grading is and grading and gutters and downspouts in your homes. A lot of people will, oh, I need to install a sub pump system and drain tiles. And I think a lot of people should just take a Take, take a break, take a step back, and really try to focus on doing the proper pitch away from your house, making sure your gutters are cleaned, they're wide enough, water's going in them, gutters go in the right direction. So it's important to go out in a heavy rain. If you're getting a little water in your basement, go out in the heavy rain, put your raincoat on, walk around your house, see where everything's flowing and puddling, and then try to fix those puddles. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that tells me I'm not the only person <laughs> who will stand outside in the rain and just have a look. Make sure you have a positive grade. Yeah. Or actually, it would be a negative grade, but it seems more positive. It seems more positive, It seems yeah. more positive if we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Welcome. There's no way. Welcome back to Real Estate in the 608. You can find us at inthe608.com or in the 608 on Facebook. We're back with our in-studio guests. Brianne Raymer, CPA, Atwood Tax, tax preparer, homeowner, income property owner, new mother. But is she fun? How do we know she's How fun? How do we know? We play the get-to-know-you game. Look, call, we call it the way it used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be Brianne, yes. if there was a bright light shining on you 
It would only make it more much that much more fun. Uh, we're going to start with <laughs> we're going to start with question one. Okay. In what year, after being purchased by Urban Land Interests, did the Glass Bank lose its diagonal roof lines to flat rooftop terraces as part of an energy efficiency and sustainability upgrade? You want to take a guess at that? That would be quite a return to fill out, huh? Um, <laughs> 2008? 2009! 008. Oh! Congratulations, well Brienne. The uh, question two. Mm-hmm. Sun Print Cafe occupied the first floor space of the Glass Bank at Webster in East Washington at about that time. Uh, what restaurant occupied that space before Sun Print? Ooh, good oh. question. I think it's called Gooseberry now. What's in that space? Now. Now, but we're looking at before, right? Lots of discussion. I said, did some I research no on the yeah. Historic Madison Photo Group on Facebook mm-hmm. to, to dial in some questions here. We're getting, we're getting a head I nod. I don't we're know. All right. I know. I I'm going to tell you. Before I was... It may have been... I think so. Heinemann's. Yep, that's before. Heinemann's. Heinemann's. So here we go. Question three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not Heinemann's now, but let's talk about Heilemann's. What southeastern Iowa County village calls Heilemann's home? Would I feel it? like there's an inside connection <laughs> here that I that think must you're be referring known. to Montfort. Montfort. Yeah. Yeah, that is. It's home, is that home right? of Heilemann's. And for that, go. Uh huh. For a bonus point, name the woman who hired you and your brother Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Heilemann. Ah, okay. Linda Heilman, great. Congratulations. We were able to dial in some in the final throws. There, question three. We we brought we brought the uh, brought the bell home. Uh, You got to tell us a little bit of the history here, Linda Heilman. How do you know this person? She. What was the? I called. I called her mother. Ah. I wasn't sure (laughs) what kind of sort. Hey, Brienne. I was gonna say this is creepy. Very it's creepy. not creepy. You were just wondering, <laughs> how does he know these things? I, I didn't know when you moved to Madison. And to be honest, I couldn't even remember remember our meeting or how exactly that happened. Uh, but in the process of buying your, your home, your first home, I met your, I met your mom. And uh, we're Facebook friends now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I called her up. I asked her to call me up. And I said, I need, a little, I need some questions. I need some history questions. And, uh, and it'd be fun to surprise her with my, mm-hmm. with my knowledge of Monfort, Wisconsin. So we're going to take it. So for those of you curious, this is what I know about Monfort. Yeah, what do it we is know on, about it is on the yeah. It's on the line. It's a uh, Grant in Iowa County. Mm-hmm. It's got about 960 people in it. Okay. 676 when I lived there. Ooh. The oh, growth. Okay. A Look population boom. Yeah. Um, we need to point out, though, that 900 of those live in Grant County and 60 of them live in in, uh, in Iowa. Oh, it's one of those. Because it's right on the edge. There are yeah. four bars, two churches. And then uh, just, just since we talk about real estate, most expensive sale in 2000, in about the last year, was at 605 uh, South Wisconsin for $250,000. That was okay. a 2,900 square foot home. And because it's only about four blocks wide, this is probably the other side of town, <laughs> even, even though it's 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 two hundred four South Wisconsin, aka um, the other side of the block. Uh, <laughs> sounds four like. four blocks four <laughs> blocks down the same street. The uh, cheapest house to sell was fifty five thousand dollars, an eight hundred sixty four square foot two bedroom. Oh, so wow. so some some range of values there in Monfort. Very nice. Uh, you you got to tell us, like, what's a memory that you have from Montfort? Is there anything to be told about the wonderful Wisconsin city of Montfort? Uh, I remember desperately wanting to get out of there. Desperate, <laughs> desperate <laughs> needs to get out. <laughs> okay. 
your mother may have mentioned something about that. Because we graduated high school early and we moved to Madison and we went to Edgewood? I did. First semester of Little college bit. was Edgewood. Yep. And then we went to MATC and then what did you do after that? And then I transferred to the UW-Madison. I had to do that too. Mm-hmm. Six year plan. I bet you did it faster. Mm, no, it's about that. Finding ourselves. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. part of the, it's part of the journey. Right? Well, welcome. Welcome to Madison from Monfort, Wisconsin, named for I, I wanted to know, like, what's that? I mean? don't know. What is it? It's like for? it said, yeah. like, named for a fort. It was there was nothing specific, but <laughs> no, none of the Monfort <laughs> Monfort residents haven't gotten too deep into the Wikipedia no. on that yet. I it's can't just, imagine. It was named for a fort. It was okay. <laughs> Right. Brianne's been a fortnight there before. Like, so we're going in the beginning here, still first, right? In the beginning, we just talked a little bit about the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. The way it used to be, Brianne didn't have a house. No, well, none of us did when we started. I think. How did we meet, Brianne? Um, Do you remember I that? I believe you were showing a house that you were selling. Oh, you came I to didn't... an open house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, this yeah. guy looks like he knows what he's doing. Well, I didn't think that initially. You're like, I can, take, <laughs> I can take this guy for what he's worth. Let's go for it. Uh, no, actually, I just appreciated that you pointed out a few things about the house that weren't, that wasn't in the best, the things that weren't in good condition, which made me feel like you were honest. And Straight shooter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. try to be. I'd describe yeah. Ben as that way. Yeah, honest about true. the product. Mm-hmm. Here's what we got. This is what it costs. Mm-hmm. So we started looking at houses. So there's an inspector out there who will name, who will remain unnamed, except that I call him the deal killer. Okay. I was shopping with Brianne. We looked at a couple places. There's only a few that I remember having looked at. I remember looking at one on Kedzie, and there was a battery-operated purring cat. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do. Your mom came to that house. <laughs> That's one of the houses your mom came to. So we're in a grandma house. Love to sell grandma houses. Mm-hmm. Often very good track records of care, a lot of outdated stuff, but, you know, it's all there. There's nothing that needs to be done right away. Mm -hmm. She had all kinds of dolls and doilies and and, and fluffy furniture, but on the chair was this little white cat, and there was a a little purring noise, and its abdomen moved just a little bit as if it was breathing. Oh, my gosh, okay. It was battery-operated. I looked at it, and and I had to study it because I was like, (laughs) Well, that looks like a cat, and usually I'll interact with an animal if there's one there. Like, oh, a cute little cat, you know. Uh, but that one didn't move. How real did the cat look? It was a little small, it was a little like small. like a seven a scale. Okay, but it, it looked pretty real. All right, and it made noises and breathed. It had <laughs> oh, anyway. So there. Man. So we look. We looked at a couple of houses. We look at a couple of houses. Um, at the same time, I'm shopping with a woman named Laura, who just by chance had met Brienne at a party or something. They like they bear their there's, there's their Venn diagram of friendships nearly overlap. Just barely. Okay. I'm shopping for a house with Laura. It is also a grandma house. It's on Tulane in the Eastmoreland neighborhood. She buys it. Inspection comes back. There's all there's all kinds of little piddly crap, but she she thinks she's in over her head. She wants out of the deal, and this this inspector, the one I call the deal the killer, deal killer right? uh, has zero bedside manner. Abrupt and nearly rude the way he delivers this information. So Brienne didn't have to meet him, but I had the report. Mm-hmm. I said, Brienne, I just tried to sell this house to Laura. And she got this report back, and and she and she freaked out. She didn't want the house anymore. Mm-hmm. The report so, from the deal killer. The, the report saying. from the deal killer. Yeah. So I go to Brianna and say, here's the report. Here is a list of everything that is wrong 
with this house. I still think it's a great deal. I want you. I want you to see it. So we go to see it, and she bought it, and she still talks to me. So it couldn't have ended that poorly. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. No is bad. that about? Is that about how it went? That's how I remember it's it. A, it's about right. It's pretty close. Yeah. So That's about right. When yeah. in your synopsis of what the deal killer provided in this report was not that bad a deal. Not that scary. Not I that wasn't scary worried. at all. Okay. No. It was a lot of the things that we'd seen in, in some of the other houses, maybe not with an animatronic cat, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but projects that we'd talked about and, and things that we thought were surmountable. I do know that there was one thing that the, I remember the one thing that the deal killer missed, vermiculite. Vermiculite. Yep. Tell yeah. me a little. I mean, I've, I Vermic- know, I've heard vermiculite, of it, but what does it mean? What is it? A likely asbestos-containing material that mm. was mined from the earth and used as insulation mm. in homes built in the 50s. Okay. Uh, so it is, the, it is the likely or potential containing of asbestos that, be, that becomes an issue. And, and there, were some, there was some cost with that and then some, some hurdles to jump through to see reimbursement for part of those costs. There's a trust fund set up. This could be a whole nother show. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's turned out to be a fine house. She finds herself a husband, a, a boy, what do we call it? She, she has a Travis. <laughs> and um, and they and they together now have a little baby, but they were looking, they were saying, hey, we got a little extra money on the side. Should we be looking for another house? And what's the answer? Yes. Yes was yes. the answer there. Yes, we okay. should. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Why, why is that the right answer when you have a little extra money? And why would you not invest that in your home to say, get yourself a new kitchen? This is something we've talked about. Well, I so. think she already, she already got a new kitchen. You already got the new kitchen. Okay. Not yet. Not quite? No, mm-hmm. that's on okay. the, the, I put the kitchen on hold to buy the other house. I like the way this lady thinks. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, we're getting back to stay. Gonna be another brand new day. When I'm walking with my baby down by the San Francisco Bay. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, an almost monthly podcast for Madison homeowners, landlords, and people who just want to be better at living in a house. It's time for the market update. Today with us is... Rachel Whaley with the Lauer Realty Group. So this time of year uh, could get a little tricky because throughout the year, sellers have been pricing their houses based on previous sales. And, you know, each one that sells, the next one that comes up gets a little bit higher. And I think buyers have decided that they're going to renew their lease. A lot of leases come due July, August. And they've renewed them because they haven't found a house yet. And now they're going to wait for that perfect one. And then they realize that each house gets a little more pricey as the new ones come up. And they're getting hesitant. And I think that there may be like a little bit of a market correction going on. So the homes that sold, say, in January and February, we're looking at homes that uh, are comparative sales from the previous year, from 2018. But what I think I'm hearing you say is that the homes listed in... May and June of 2019 are looking at already inflated prices from the competition that we saw in the early part of the year and then trying to get even a few dollars more. Is that, is that what I'm hearing yeah. you say? Yeah, and I think people have been competing and competing over the winter and in this early spring. And they, the buyers that just keep losing are, are realizing that these prices keep going up and they're getting a little bit reluctant. And I think that sellers that are really pushing their top end price, are, they, they, you know, they might sit on the market a little bit longer. And with so many people re-signing their academic year leases, we'll see not only some people step out of the market, but then also people 
willing just to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, just stepping back, taking a break, taking a breather. Because when they get in that cramped, you know, last 60 days of their lease, oh, I got to find a house in three weeks, they, they get a little bit desperate or they can settle. And so our job is to not let them do that and make a wise decision. So while this is certainly poignant or timely uh, as we record it here in June, um, is it safe to say that this is an annual cycle or something that people could anticipate on a on an annual basis for people who might not be listening as this comes out? I feel like it it always does a little bit uh, this year a little bit more so. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rachel, for joining us. Have a great day. This might come into come in a little bit because we'll talk about uh, taxes as it relates to owning two different kinds of homes. Our first question is: Home ownership still the tax break it once was? Somebody who owns their own home, I know there have been changes. Is it still the same tax break as it was five years ago, ten years ago? Is it still like the wise choice? Not with the new tax laws mm-hmm. as of this most recent filing year, mm-hmm. with the increased standard deduction. A lot less people are itemizing, so owning a home might not get you any additional tax benefit. Okay. What was what did it look like before? Right. So your itemized deductions are typically your property taxes, your mortgage interest, donations. Those are the, the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, if those exceed the standard deduction, then you're going to take your itemized deductions. Uh, married filing joint standard deduction used to be... Twelve thousand four hundred. Um, it increased to twenty four thousand. So now you have to have mortgage interest, property taxes, donations over twenty four thousand. So a lot of married couples don't itemize. Mm-hmm. Along with the one of the other new changes to the tax laws, the state and local the SALT deduction is limited to ten thousand dollars. There mm-hmm. used to be no limit to that deduction. So between the increase in the standard deduction and the limit of 10000 in state and local taxes, homeownership just isn't the same tax break that it used to be. Tax break that it was. Especially yeah. for people with larger, larger homes, right? Because the, the SALT, as you just, as I, that's a new to me, state and local taxes, um, it's like $8,000 or, or the, you, is the limit is 10000 So if your property taxes, if you had a really expensive house with property taxes over $10,000, um, you could deduct all of those property taxes in addition to all of your um, income taxes that your state withholding you know, from your W-2 wage. But now you can only deduct up to 10000 So you're not getting the benefit from those property taxes like you used to. Let's talk a little bit then about your decision to buy an income property and how we can see opportunities there that mm-hmm. are that are different than that of the owner occupant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the state local taxes of your income property are going to be tax deductible 100%. Right. If you have a business property, the mortgage interest, the property taxes, and other things like the homeowner's insurance and repairs on the property are all deductible against your rental income. So it's a different type of property on the tax return. So there's not necessarily, and there are no caps then as to the, if I'm paying exorbitant taxes, that comes off of the income that I've produced through that same asset. 
technically there are limits as to what can be deducted in the current year. Rental property is a passive activity, and so there are some limits on the deductibility of passive activity losses. But in general, yes, you can deduct all of the taxes and mortgage interest and all of the expenses that you incur. See, passive. What today, when I was throwing my drill up to the balcony so that my tenant could <laughs> could could find his way out of his unit, he'd been locked in all day. That didn't feel passive That's to not me. A, it's not the same. I felt it's like that was the same. like yeah. that was an active thing I was doing. <laughs> So when I, I've got an income property, the majority of the expenses I incur will fall into, maybe all of them will fall into two categories. One are things that are tax deductible, mm -hmm. and the other are things that I would be able to depreciate over time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a fair explanation. So my operating mm -hmm. expenses... The expenses of having something like the the mortgage and the interest and the homeowner's insurance and the and maybe I'm paying someone to mow the grass are all the expenses mm -hmm. that I'm going to deduct then from the income. Let's imagine that my property is a, is a is a break even that the rent covers my expenses. Mm -hmm. So is it still worth having that property? And I, well, it is still worth having that property, but that comes from the depreciation side. Is that right, Brianne? Yeah, you get to deduct depreciation on the value of the property. The depreciation expense will often offset the, the portion of the mortgage payments that go toward principal. So you'll end, you typically will end up with... Um, a tax loss on a rental property. So if your if your if your rental property is just breaking even, where your monthly expenses are just covered by your rent, on paper it will look like a loss because you've depreciated the property. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you've been dropping coins into the bank, gotcha. and you will own more and more of that home. I'm glad that both of you know these things because that is why I come to you. <laughs> I will come to you, Brian, because that gets all of a sudden whoosh right over my head. Well, it, it, it's so much over my head, and, I, and everything I know I've learned from Brianne. We haven't done a whole lot of 1031. Well, even though we did. We did. We have a mutual client, and, and it was great that she knew his, his tax background, and I knew, I knew the property, mm -hmm. and together we were able to discuss several different scenarios of how one could could defer uh, capital gains tax on a sale, hmm. but yeah, that's a, that's a whole different episode, and it wouldn't be very much fun to listen to. It should probably just be like a, a web <laughs> a web. I'm already thinking this the web one, extra. This episode should maybe it should be a pamphlet. The web extra. <laughs> We can go back and talk a little bit about Montfort. No, that's okay. It's You're... probably just as boring as taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, there is no one I would rather talk about with taxes than you, Brianne. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I have talked, and I, you, you remember, because before we worked together, I went to, uh, do you go to Menenga? I did, yes. I have used Menengen in the past, yeah. And, and I did too, and, uh, and they never did me wrong. But uh, after, after meeting Brienne, whom, whom I've referred to as not your mother's CPA, and when I say that, it's because we're, 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 uh, we're a magazine for your ears, and you can't see Brienne, um, <laughs> but she does not look like your mother's CPA at all. No? And that was kind of the fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, That's oh, look at that. Cool. 
You are listening to Real Estate the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Over there is Ben Anton. Our guest in studio today is Brian Raymer, uh, CPA with Atwood Tax. Brian, uh, thank you again for joining us in studio. My question is this, and this will be on the homeowner side. When I am going to do some repairs, how can I optimize any home repairs that I might do so I could write those off? Is that still an option for me? I'm getting a shrug from you look right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's really not much that you can write off. Yeah. Um, if it's your personal residence, mm-hmm. um, there are a couple of um, credits available mm-hmm. for solar improvements and fuel cells and, and very expensive. Um, in the past, there used to be um, credits for uh, new windows. Yeah, um, I remember those. Roofs, yeah. things like that. But um, those credits have expired. So okay. under the current tax laws, you're looking at solar or fuel cells. Mm-hmm. Um, there are solar tubes that do qualify for the credit, even though they're not actual solar power in mm-hmm. your, your home. Um, you can get, if you buy solar tubes that, are, that have a solar-powered nightlight, they technically qualify for the credit. Hmm. So that's something that I see quite a bit. We're talking about hemispherical plexiglass dome on the roof and then the hyper-reflective silver tube. It's literally like a skylight, but but only as round as a fixture. Right. I always thought those were just for lighting and not necessarily for home heating. It is just for lighting. It's just for lighting. It is. Okay. And again, uh, Brianne Dramers, who's in studio with us here today. So those tax credits apply to if you are the homeowner, if you are the property owner of um, something and you want to make some improvements. We kind of talked about, uh, touched on this just a little bit before. It's that like most of those things right. that you apply, yep, that yep. you would do to the place. If it's a business or income property, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much anything that you spend money on for the property can be um, deducted or depreciated in some way. Is that what was attractive to you in getting a business property or an income property? Is that you kind of knew like, oh, I know how to do taxes. So uh, this this would be a good investment piece for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, seeing over the, you know, the last five or six years, seeing how the properties have appreciated um, and you know, they cash flow. And at the end of the day, you, you know, after the mortgage is paid off, you really haven't had any had any out-of-pocket expenses because the tenant pays for all of those. To me, it, it seemed like a kind of a no-brainer if I could buy a property that seemed like it was worth what the asking price was. Right. And that's where, and you know, to talk a little bit about the property that she bought might be helpful as well. Um, it is difficult to get those significant cash flow numbers on a single family home unless you buy it pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, while rents are increasing constantly, a single family home can only rent for so much. Uh, whereas a multi-unit, you can really start to achieve some economies of scale. Uh, so she needed to buy a little bitty cheap house. Uh, and as you know, mm-hmm. Adam, one of the ways to do that is to buy uh, from the spoils of, of largesse of federal government. Uh, so, <laughs> in other words. <laughs> in other words, buy a Fannie Mae foreclosure. A foreclosure house, yes. Uh, in, a, yeah. in what is today, uh, I mean, geez. We're talk- so she buys a foreclosure on, uh, John- what street is that, John's? 
Sergeant. Sergeant, Sergeant. One, one or two blocks over from Johns. Um, adjacent, the very development we just spoke of as like one of Cottage Grove Road's yep. uh, the, the crown jewel there, the brand new um, Penny Branch Penny, Library. Penny Library. Royster Clark building. Royster mm-hmm. Clark development. This house is literally on, at the back door. Um, and while there was some stubborn pricing, uh, we got it for a decent price. And, and I think it'll be a fine little rental. I mean, it... it just the fact that someone's living in it and it's being used makes it worth more at this point. Mm-hmm. Have you had that? Have, now, I re- understand that early on you had like a f- like a friend of the family kind of a renter. Have you put that house on the market yet? No, we're not allowed to rent it for another couple of months. Okay. But uh, our, we had a live-in, our live-in nanny was there um, for the last year. So she's, she's moving on and we'll be, we will be renting it. Um, come August. And that was to circumvent an owner occupancy requirement when purchasing uh, when purchasing a foreclosure. Uh, Travis made that his primary residence uh, for the time of that obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that can be done too. Um, mm-hmm. Sherman Terrace Condos is another example of a place where once you own it for a year, then you can rent it out. Um, so you can buy a foreclosure, get that owner-occupant privilege of, of early offer review and maybe a few points on the, on the file or however they decide. Uh, but there is a, is a sunset to that clause as well. So after a time, it can become exclusively a rental property. And that's what you're mentioning, why you're holding out to rent that out. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, come August, we'll... Hopefully have tenants in there. Gotcha. Do you just call it like that's our country house now and then or something? <laughs> it's all. I think. It, how many? How many blocks is it? It's about six blocks from our other house. Okay. So. It's on. It's on the other side of the tracks though. So you kind of have. Is it really the other? Which side of the? It is the. Other it's side the other of the side tracks. of the tracks. But which side is the other side of the tracks? You it's know. hard to tell. Some, maybe we're on the, the meta- other side the, of the tracks. I may be in the metaphorical other side of the tracks here on Jackson. To be honest. <laughs> We're back with Brianne Raymer, CPA at Atwood Tax. Um, Adam, you had a question about property taxes. Yeah. So when it comes to your property taxes, what are the best ways you can optimize the taxes that you pay on your home? Under the um, old tax laws, a lot of people used to, if their if their property taxes were low enough and they maybe didn't exceed the standard deduction. Um, every year, they would double up their property taxes, pay two years in one year so that they could, every other year, itemize their deductions. Um, Under the new tax laws, I tell people that they should, they probably aren't going to benefit by doing that because of the the SALT, the Mm $10,000 SALT limitation. Um, But also, if nothing else, I recommend people pay $2,500 $2,500 of their property taxes every year to make sure and um, max out the state school property tax credit. There's a $300 credit on the state tax return. Um, as long as you pay $2,500, you max that credit out. Yeah. And this kind of stuff, these little gems, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the owner-occupant 
and the changes in the uh, tax returns that that they they it's gotten gotten pretty simple. And there's a lot of resources out there for people mm-hmm. who uh, who have a very simple return to do so online at limited expense. But when you start adding in expertise and little little ideas and 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 ways to consider both state as well as federal. And then you start thinking about uh, the implications of a rental property or a business. That's where I think someone like Brianne is, is the value is, is in innumerable. So I think kind of what I'm hearing now from what you're saying is with the changes in the tax law, people who own their homes, they might be able to do this on their own, though. It was reduced down to like a more basic way to do taxes. But when it comes to somebody who is an investment property owner, business owner, is it still a simple process or what do you recommend for those folks? Um, for uh, investment property owners yeah. or rental properties, yeah. um, I, I think it's a little bit more complicated than it used to be. Um, there's a new qualified business income deduction um, mm-hmm. that is um, a little bit complicated. Most software you know, can handle it. But um, in general, all of the rules surrounding income property, I think... I recommend that uh, somebody, you know, hire a professional to prepare their taxes if they have income property. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like, unless you've been doing this game for quite a while, you might not know the changes that are happening. Right, right. And um, you might miss taking the depreciation expense or Mm -hmm. um, you might not write off things that you that you could have. Let's take a quick break for Phil's phone-in. Phil's phone-in is a service of the Penny Library Capital Campaign. Visit mplfoundation.org for more information. Now it's time for Phil, my partner in Deacon Housing, and a milk commodities trading consultant with Dairy.com and Blimling and & Associates. Take it away, Phil. Hey, Ben. It's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Every five years, the United States Department of Agriculture publishes an agricultural census. It's an unbelievable treasure trove of national, state, and county level data. The latest version, with data from 2017, was just published. At least one thing is abundantly clear from the data. Farming is hard work, and the age-old trend of people leaving the farm and moving to the city or going somewhere else persists. For example, in the state of Wisconsin, the census said we had just about 65,000 farms in 2017. That was down 19% from 1997. That means about one in five farm operations left the business over that 30-year period. If you look at Dane County, the census said that about 66% of all the land in the county was devoted to agriculture in 2017. That was down from 73% in 1997. The census said we had 2,566 farm operations in the county in 2017, and just like the state, that was down 19% from 1997. For farmers who have stuck with it, they've seen their land value go up substantially. According to the census, an acre of Dane County ag land was worth $8,239 in 2017, more than triple the value in 1997. Comparing to 2007, land value is up 90%. And over the same period, the median price of a home in Dane County was up only 22%. That's it for now, Ben. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608.
What's the one thing that people are always shocked by when they're a property owner? What's the one thing they're like, oh, I had no idea I could do that? So I think um, the biggest surprise um, some of my clients or um, some of my clients have had is uh, when they go to sell mm-hmm. a property that had been a rental property for many years, um, even if they sold the property for exactly what they paid for it, mm-hmm. because it was an income property and there was depreciation associated with that, um, they have um, a gain on the sale that they have to report and they have tax to pay on that, that sale. So they may have bought it for 200000 10 years ago, sold it for exactly the same, 200000 But if they've depreciated over you know 10 years, there's depreciation recapture and they'll have they'll be reporting a tax gain. So at the point of sale, when you've had something, the gain, and explain the gain just a little bit there for me too. Like what does that mean and how does that get taxed? Um, In the tax code, um, your cost basis is going to be what you paid for it minus the depreciation expense that you've taken every year. So let's say you bought it for 200,000 and you depreciate it down to 150,000. If you sell it at 200,000, you have a $50,000 gain. Mm, So we talked about the 27.5 year depreciation Mm -hmm. schedule. You know, if you're halfway, if 10 years later, you're a third of the way through that. So you're at about that, you know, you'd be at about 130 on a 200,000. So you'd have a significant gain. And that, I'll just mention it again, but deferring the taxation of that gain is is something that can be done via the 1031 exchange, which means using the money you acquired in the sale to buy another property that qualifies and rolling it out. So you're not you're going to pay that taxes someday, but it's called a, a deferred exchange. A deferred exchange. All right, Brand, you had me. I think I'm still coming to you to do the taxes because Ben <laughs> just blew my mind throwing in some numbers with that. <laughs> but I, th- I think I understand that. So yeah, I mean, like, that would be a surprise that right. somebody might think that, yep. like, whoa, hello. Right. <laughs> A special thank you to Travis, who, oh, yeah. uh, who, who's probably watching. Did Zuli go to bed? Did you put Zuli to bed Zuli before you come? Zuli's probably not in bed yet. She not in bed yet? probably <laughs> waiting for me to get home. Okay. Well, we'll yes. thank you very much for joining us, yeah, and thank we'll you, let Brian. you get home to Zuli. We'll yeah, release you for the evening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for yours. Hey, Ben, what was that? What was that? That was episode six. That was Brienne Raymer. She's fantastic. CPA. She is fun. She and knows all the taxes things. It, it, it was sure. interesting because like, I know she's fun. She played the game. Uh-huh. But then when she, when she gets into the details, it's like, it is hard to go, okay, focus. I'm paying attention. <laughs> right. I'm getting this, you know, but like she knows those rules. Yeah, she did not flinch when it came to like a description on it. And, and it's as if it's like when I read the, the uh, condition report or uh-huh. when I make people read <laughs> read the definition of defect right. as, you know, a condition that if left on a, it, it was that same kind of like, I know this and I can just spit it out. Right. Here you yeah. Go. It didn't even seem like a second language to her. She but again, like, so she talked about the importance of, you know, or, or that the, for the simple tax return and the homeowner, there may be options mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. might not need to feel like you should sit with someone like Brienne. But I am telling you, especially when those little things like the state tax, you know, well, should I pay my taxes every other year? Because some people do that. And that yep. is the difference between paying them on December 31st or paying them on January because they're not due until the end of January. Mm-hmm. So you've got that option. And, and who and, would know that? 
that otherwise. And who would know that you should pay only $2,500 other than someone who does it, lives it, and and uh, and is exercising it as a property owner, as an investment property owner. Here come August when she'll rent that one officially that she bought on Sargent. But you no, know, great to have her, and great to have a different voice. Uh, and again, somebody smarter than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was glad to hear about like what those changes. Cause I knew changes happened because my taxes came out differently this year too. And I'm like, what were the things that happened in there as a homeowner? And I think I got my explanation there. So that there was there yeah. was one thing she mentioned. I think it was called the qualified business income cap. Mm-hmm. I think that I benefited significantly from mm-hmm. that because of my job. as a, I am not an employee of the Lauer Realty Group, but an independent contractor and responsible all then for my own, uh, my self-employment tax, et cetera. So I think I benefited from that significantly. And, uh, and it was a better, a, a different and a better tax year mm-hmm. uh, here, or 2018 was. So that cap's significantly different from the brewer's cap that I like to wear around the house. Significantly different cap. Significantly different. So thanks to Brianne, and thanks also to our, our musicians, our In the 608 yeah. musicians. These folks are great. Uh, Renclaw, Bob Westfall, Seesaw, the folks who know how to fix their own Seesaw, drain now. congratulations <laughs> on your successful <laughs> drain snaking. Uh, Mad City Jug Band, and, and knew this episode, uh, we added in El Donk. El Donk, short for Donk? Well, it's... I don't know what it's short for, but their their logo is a little donkey. And oh, it's, donkey! Um, okay. And yeah, Rob gotcha. and Rob Ferret is uh, is a neighbor here in the hood, and uh, I helped his parents both buy and sell a home, uh, a second home for them that they that they'd purchased to be closer to family when they visited Madison. Mm. Um, but yeah, good music and some some nice instrumentals there. How very uh, nice to lay under our lay under our stuff. We should mention the twenty second twenty second. It's a monthly newsletter. Uh, it's going to have a. a written uh, market update and uh, and some tips uh, and helpful things to know as your homeowner. It's just an, it's just another way to learn. You can sign up for the 22nd 22nd read by visiting in the 608 uh, on Facebook uh, and clicking sign up. Great to see you again, Ben. Where am I going to see you out in the area this time? You know, it's summer festival season. Might it be at one, might be at the first one here or, mm. or the second if you're listening later. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you will find me uh, listening to the radio. I don't know if you've noticed this, but and it's somewhat of a plug to our, our old uh, alma mater, 105.5 Triple M. They have an HD channel, a mm-hmm. secondary channel that used to be a blues channel, and they've now flipped it to... Studio M, which is their little recording session, their own sure. like acoustic versions of it, and all, that's all they're playing now is like their recorded sessions, and it's a treat because I used to be in those sessions recording audio as I was doing digital work for. All right, thank you, Adam. Thanks, Ben. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. Come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game you're always playing at your favorite arcade? Amber could be taking names. Amber could be
Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat cause you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be. So I'm singing you 